Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. I'm Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's a pleasure to connect with you through the I Love Seville network, a show, a show and a network that broadcasts on every social media platform known to mankind, archived wherever you get your content, your social media, and your podcasts. If you want to take a look at the screen for some of the topics we'll cover today, man, that Virginia football game was a shellacking. I'll uh, put in perspective from a first-hand experience what this football team did to the, the bar, the watering hole, the restaurant we were enjoying the contest within. Just saw the good mayor walk by the studio Judah with a, a haircut. Looking sharp, Mayor Snook, when you watch the program. I like your haircut, sir. Place completely cleared out. Vanessa Parkell and Albert Graves, hello and welcome to the show. We were watching at Cardinal Hall. The first quarter was tight. Cardinal Hall was packed. The intensity and the excitement and the passion for the orange and blue in this football team were palpable and tangible. Then Tennessee goes on a run. We head into halftime and literally Cardinal Hall cleared out. Literally cleared out. And as we were clearing out, I spoke to um, one of the team members over at uh, Cardinal Hall as we were paying our bill. And this particular individual said, for lack of better phrase, damn this team. Because the business went as the score started getting more lopsided. I want to talk about the impact of this team and ask you, is there any other entity, activity, that has more economic positivity or negativity associated with it than uh, a home football schedule or just games in totality for this program. I want to talk today fundraising dollars, Albemarle County candidate fundraising dollars specifically. We'll take a look at TJ Fadeley versus B. Lepisto Curtley. We will take a look at Meg Bryce versus Allison Spillman. We will take a look at on this program who is doing what and where from a fundraising standpoint on the show. Some of these numbers may surprise you. They certainly surprised me. Some are extremely lopsided and what is some very important elections that are coming up um, here as we inch closer and closer to November. Guys, I, I'm looking at my calendar right now and Judah, this is one for you as well. We are now two months away, two months and two days away from Election Day here in Central Virginia. Board of Supervisor elections, school board elections that will have monumental impacts on our community. We'll talk about that on today's show. We'll talk about a winery for sale, New Kent Winery to be exact. For sale for $7 million asking price. We know the business well. We'll let you know what $7 million asking price will get you at a winery that sees over 100,000 people between Richmond and Williamsburg. I mean, this is literally a hop, skip, and a jump from us. You can get to New Kett Winery in an hour and change from Charlottesville, depending on where you are, from Central Virginia, depending on where you are. If you're on the Keswick Fluvanna, Louisa side, we're talking an hour to New Kent Winery. 100,000, more than 100,000 visitors this past year. 
Hundreds of weddings at New Ket Winery, a $7 million asking price. Um, and I found this interesting when spotlighting this listing and, and highlighting this opportunity for you, the viewer and listener. The Commonwealth of Virginia is the third largest producer, the third largest wine producer in the United States of America. I was surprised by that. I thought it was... Uh, I didn't realize it was that high. John Blair on LinkedIn, welcome to the show. On today's program, we will highlight the magic rate for mortgages to drop to to breed activity. Zillow, um, Zillow, whether you like Zillow or not, Zillow and its data, its metrics that it provides, the marketplace are becoming a, an arbitrator or a barometer for much in the real estate industry. And Zillow's got a, a, a fresh survey that's out asking consumers and potential buyers and sellers, specifically sellers of home, what the mortgage rate needs to drop to, the 30-year fix, for folks to consider listing their homes. And 71% of those surveyed said that it was between 5 and 5.5%. 5 and 5.5% if you uh, want us to start listing your houses. That's a long way to go. John Blair put this on my radar first. John, props to you. You put this on my radar, I think, um, hell, maybe over a year ago when rates were in the 3 to 4%. You said the golden handcuff um, factor was going to be... Uh, an influence with inventory, and, and he was absolutely right. I mean, there, there is a 82% of folks in the United States of America that are homeowners have a rate of 4% or less. Now, those 82% likely sitting on significant equity, but they're not moving. They're not moving from their house or capitalizing on that equity, Zillow says, until rates drop below 5.5%. We'll talk about that on today's show. I want to highlight um, new office space that we have in our portfolio. Purchase some new space. We are bringing it to market later this week. And this office space, much like the large portion of our portfolio, is executive office space. We're going to bring five additional executive offices to market. They're about 120 square feet each. I cover the cost of Ting Fiber Internet. I cover the cost of electric. I cover the cost of bathroom cleaning and water. And it's a flat $425 per month per office with these five additional units that should be done soon. That takes our portfolio to 29, 29 or 30, I'd have to look, 29 executive offices and two condos under ownership and currently um, for rent. Five of them coming to market. If you're a small business owner, if you're a therapist, if you're an entrepreneur, a software developer, $425 a month, one-year lease. I cover the cost of Ting Fiber Internet, the fastest internet possible. I cover the cost of electric, bathroom cleaning, and water. So it's a flat $425 per month. There's a parking garage literally next door to my building, the Market Street parking garage, where the first hour is free for your clients. You won't beat that price, and I expect those um, offices to be rented quickly. 
I want to weave Judah Wickhauer in on a two-shot. Give me a thumbs up when that two-shot's ready to go. Not only is he the director and producer of this fine and fair talk show, he's a brother from another mother, he's a friend, he's family, and his perspective is valued and welcomed on the show. Jason Howard, Ryo Road, I'll get to your comment in a matter of moments. Johnny Ornalis, the owner of El Mariachi, hello, welcome to the show. Deep Throat, we'll get to your program. Four states currently watching the show. I was having this conversation earlier today with a prospective um, advertising partner, uh, real estate developer, works in finance, funds opportunities, is trying to get in the mix with um, the deal flow that's coming across the table over there. Um, and he said, Jerry, I found your show, mention you, Judah, as well. I found your show at the beginning of this year, and I'm literally watching every single day, either live nice. or while working out <clears throat> at the gym in podcast form. He also mentioned he, he cannot remember the last time he has read, watched, or listened to any other local news outlet in central Virginia besides yeah. what we're doing right here. Um, I want to talk about the game on Saturday. You're a good guy to talk to about this because you're not sports is not your forte, um, but you're a man of, of, of reason and common sense. My family and I and some friends were at Cardinal Hall on Saturday. I mentioned this on the Jerry and Jerry show, our sports show, which airs Tuesdays at 10.15 a.m. with Jerry Ratcliffe, the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer. We're sitting at Cardinal Hall, right? I'm enjoying a hot chicken sandwich. Uh, my wife, my family enjoying uh, the fried chicken salad. Um, our oldest son has a pretzel with some mustard in front of him. Our youngest son has no teeth yet, so he couldn't eat the pretzel or the hot chicken sandwich or the salad. He was sticking with the formula, and that made him quite happy. Um, and we're at Cardinal Hall, and, and it's one of the... Have you been to Cardinal Hall, J-Dubs? Yeah, I haven't been there in a while, but I've been there. One of the larger restaurants out there. Yeah, Definitely. Cardinal Hall and, and Three Notch Brewing Company, Timberwood Tap House, Lazy Parrot Grill, any, any you can think of. I'm talking large restaurants in Charlottesville. What do you guys think are the largest restaurants from a seating capacity in Charlottesville, Virginia? Let's go on the downtown mall. What's the largest restaurant? Hey, there, we got some fans outside. Largest restaurant on the downtown mall. What would you say? Uh... Maria Marshall Barnes, hello. Johnny Ornalis, this is right up your alley, Johnny. Despite being split in half, uh, uh, isn't, um, isn't the uh, a Bebedero pretty, pretty decently sized? I don't think we could call Bebedero one of the largest because, as you highlighted, it's split in half with Rockfish Brewing Company. Yeah. So I'd say Rockfish and, 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 and the Bebedero are not number one downtown. Viewers and listeners, what is the largest restaurant downtown from a seating capacity standpoint? Let's go from the pavilion side this way. Passiflora is not open yet. J.R. Hadley and Laura Fawner. J.R. Hadley's the silent investor. Laura Fawner is, uh, is, is going to be the face of the franchise, the face of the brand. Wood Grill Buffet from Albert Graves is a damn good suggestion. Wood Grill Buffet mm. is massive. What was the Korean barbecue restaurant you went to with your family? That's fairly large. Yeah, what is that called? Uh, but was... just from the size standpoint, the one on Route 29. Albert Graves may have just named it. Good stuff right there from Warrior AG. Wood Grill Buffet. 
Hmm. Um, Warrior AG, viewers and listeners, is wood grill um, buffet larger than Three Notch Brewing Company from a size and seating standpoint? I'm curious of what the viewers and listeners have to say on that one. Cardinal Hall is massive. Yeah. Cardinal Hall has the back room that's available for rent, Mm -hmm. for reservation. Cardinal Hall has the massive dining area, a beer garden with those picnic-style benches. Yeah. Vanessa Parkhill says Vivace is, is large. That's a great suggestion. We should start putting this on a list. Mm-hmm. Largest restaurants from a seating capacity in Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm going to put Wood Grill Buffet on there. I'm going to put Three Notch Brewing Company on there. I'm actually going to um, Three Notch on Thursday for an investor real estate mixer. Um, so I'll get a feel for how big that uh, seating area is. Um, Cardinal Hall is one of the largest ones. Lazy Parrot Grill is sneaky big. Because hmm. Lazy Parrot Grill not only has the outside seating on multiple areas outside, but the dining room is quite large. What am I missing, viewers and listeners? What's the largest dining room on the downtown mall? Is the largest dining room on the downtown mall Whiskey Jar or Miller's? Miller's has three floors, but I'm not sure Miller's, from a seating standpoint, can accommodate a lot. In fact, the seating is quite small. A lot of standing area. Here's my point, and I'm curious of your take. Good call, Vanessa. Great call. I'm responding to your comment. J.O., I'm very curious of your opinion on this one. The, uh, is the hibachi grill still open? I don't think it is. We're getting um, a little hibachi grills on the feed. Grill. Boylan Heights is massive. That's a great call from Scott Aaronworth in Virginia Beach, the Esquire. Boylan Heights needs to be on that list. Great call, Scott Aaronworth. You know uh, food like the Pope knows holy water, Scott Aaronworth. You know food like the Sisters of Mercy from Walsingham Academy know pain, especially to yours truly. Um, but my point is this, J-Dubs. We're at Cardinal Hall. Hmm. First quarter, it's super tight. Second quarter, Tennessee pulls ahead. And by halftime, the entire place was empty. And one of the barkeeps mentions to me, and lack of better, you know, I'm, I'm using PG-13 language here. He says, there's Scotty Will right there. Good to see you, Scotty Williams. He says to me, F this team and F this program. I can't tell you how often we see this phenomenon here where the entire place clears out when this team starts getting blown out. Those were his exact phrases. Exact phrase. It leads me to ask this question. We've talked about it on previous shows. Does the football program have the greatest economic impact, pro or con, on the city of Charlottesville outside of any other entity out there? We know there are days that have larger economic impacts. We've talked about graduation day, move-in day, move-out day. Graduation day is one day, maybe two, maybe you call it a long weekend. Move-in day is one and a half days. Move-out day is one and a half days. 
the football team, you're talking 12, potentially 13 games, and you're talking six, seven home football games. I mean, you got an entire entity here. You can make some arguments for the Ting Pavilion and the concert schedule that the Ting Pavilion has, but the Ting Pavilion, its economic impact is for the large part concentrated on the downtown mall. If someone's going to a concert at the Ting Pavilion, they're likely not matriculating. There's that word again. They're likely not walking to the corner, Route 29, Pantops, Midtown, and all those watering holes looking sharp. Marquise Johnson, good to see you. Good to see you. Um, they're staying on the downtown mall. They're also probably not, uh, maybe somewhat, but uh, not as much coming from out of town. Right. Right. I mean, certainly not as far as they're coming. I mean, we talked on the Jerry and Jerry show. JMU is, is um, scheduled for Saturday and a 12 o'clock kickoff on ESPNU at Scott Stadium. The Dukes are a seven-point favorite. And JMU's fan base on the message boards and on the fan pages is, is saying they're going to bring 20,000 fans to Charlottesville on Saturday. The JMU football program is expected to bring 20,000 fans to Saturday's 12 high noon kickoff. The expectation a lot of people have, because this team is only 0-1 and is not 0-9 or 0-10, not saying they will be 0-9, 0-10, but they very well could be, that Saturday's game against JMU, an in-state rival, when the Wahoos and the UVA Athletic Department and the university in totality are going to remember or commemorate the three players that were murdered last year. Yeah. This is going to be an opportunity for some potential, I don't want to use the word closure, but re- remembrance. Yeah. The athletic department is also giving um, free shirts to the first 30 or 35,000 fans that arrive. Wow. This could be the top attended game in 2023 for this Virginia football program. And we're talking James Madison University. We're not talking Virginia Tech. We're not talking NC State. We're not talking ACC schools here. We're talking JMU. And that's because of the apathy that may set it if this team struggles. I'll ask this question, and I've asked it before. Not only is Tony Elliott playing for millions of dollars with his contract, not only is Tony Elliott trying to stop a streak where home football games are costing the athletic department a million dollars or more. Literally, the athletic department is losing a million bucks or more per home football game. We learned that from Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe, the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer on the Jerry and Jerry Show. Over a million dollars a home game lost because of empty stands. Oh, yeah. Okay? But Elliot is playing for small business owners. Elliot is coaching for small business owners coming out of COVID, coming out of pandemic, when they have accrued more debt, a lot of them, friends of this program, who mentioned, Jerry, we've taken home equity lines of credit, credits, HELOCs, against our house. Yeah. We've racked up credit card debt that's the highest we've ever had, and we've done it just to keep our businesses alive. That's, when, yeah. that's why when a bartender at Cardinal Hall says to me, F this team, F this season, and the right. impact they have on my bottom line, that was literally the bartender who's a friend of mine saying, this team impacts my ability to pay our bills. Yeah, no doubt. What other entity or brand or program or outfit or organization would a bartender say, F this, if they do not perform well? Can you think? What, what comes to mind? 
I mean, the Virginia Film Festival probably, probably brings in a lot of people from out of state. Undoubtedly. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, but that's not probably, over the course of a season. Yeah, definitely. We're I, talking a weekend there. Right, right. I didn't Maybe you it. throw in Tom Tom Festival. Tom Tom Festival is what? Once or twice a year, though. Tom Tom Festival is downtown, not across Central Virginia. Watering holes across Central Virginia were popping for week one. By halftime, they were ghost towns. Yeah. I would say the economic impact of what Elliot is trying to create and build and the pressure he has from a performance standpoint is the most significant of any single organization or entity in Central Virginia. Yeah, no doubt. It's not Elzinga's economics class, Sabato's politics class. Mm-hmm. It's not a, any kind of McIntyre School of Commerce or Darden School. Maybe you say Tony Bennett's men's basketball program is the only one that can challenge. Yeah. But Scott Stadium holds 61,000 people. The John Paul Jones Arena? Let's see. And let's see if you can get those lower thirds up. John Paul Jones Arena capacity. What do you think the capacity of the JPJ is, Judah? Couldn't say. 14,593. 14,593. 61,000 divided by 14,593. We're talking over 4X, over 4X Scott Stadium versus the John Paul Jones Arena. Mm-hmm. We'll follow it closely. Vanessa Parkhill made a comment in the Jerry and Jerry show. She said, in this era of um, in this era of transfer portal and being able to get superstars from other programs, the heat and the pressure on Tony Elliott has never been greater than right now. You give the man the benefit of the doubt. The things didn't look good against Tennessee. And you want to see the natives get restless? Lose to in-state rival JMU, who's a seven-point favorite. And then we'll see heat like we've never seen before. Let's go to the next topic. Next topic is one um, that I'm I'm excited to highlight on the program. Albemarle County candidate fundraising dollars. Are you ready for this? Let's play a little trivia or quiz game with you, okay, Judah? All right. Whitehall District candidates Ann Malik versus Brad Rickle rhymes with pickle. Malik versus Rickle, fundraising dollars. Put that lower third on screen if you could. Oh, it is. Job well done. Thank you kindly. Malik versus Rickle. Who do you think has more dollars raised to this point? I'd guess Malik. Great guess. Ann Malik has the most. What kind of delta do you think Malik has versus Rickle? Uh, I mean, I don't have any base number to go on, but I'd say she's probably beat him by at least double. Judah Wickhauer. Give props to Judah Wickhauer, one of Charlottesville's most eligible bachelors over here, Judah Wickhauer. You're 100% right, Judah Wickhauer. Ann Malik, $23,365. Brad Rickle, rhymes with pickle, $10,300. Ann Malik has more than 2 x Brad Rickles contributions. 23,365 versus 10,300. 
That's a significant, significant, significant disparity for what is looking like a five consecutive term supervisor in Ann Malik that would be 20 straight years on the board if she wins on the 7th of November, she starts her fifth term, four years per term on January 1. Yeah. 23,365 for Malik, 10,300 for Rickle. Deep throat, I'm going to get to these, pom- these comments in a matter of moments. Uh, I enjoyed running into uh, your beautiful better half yesterday. Um, Lonnie Murray, we'll get to your comments here in a matter of moments. Jason Howard, we'll get to your comments here in a matter of moments. John Blair, we'll get to your comments in a matter of moments. Let's go TJ Fadeley, Judah Wickhauer, against B. Lapisto Kirtley. This is the Rivana District, Albemarle County Board of Supervisors. B. Lapisto Kirtley, I'm going to give you context clues, is the incumbent. She's running for a second term. Mm-hmm. She lives within the gates of Keswick Estates. Very Tony, very plush, yeah. very posh, very expensive. She's being challenged by TJ Fadeley, who is now the face of the brand for Freebridge Auto. He's yeah. joined us on this program. I think TJ's got a lot of upside, ladies and gentlemen. Who is leading in that race from a fundraising standpoint at this point right now? Lepisto Kirtley or TJ Fadeley? Viewers and listeners, put your comments in the feed. I'll read your comments live on air once we play this little trivia contest. So far, Judah Wickhauer is one for one. You're acing the contest. Lepisto Kirtley against TJ Fadeley. I mean, i got to put my money with the incumbent. Okay. What kind of disparity are we talking? Uh, I'd say it's a lot less than, uh, than the one for, uh, for Rickle and... Uh, and Malik, uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say uh, he's at. Uh, I'm gonna guess he's at three quarters of what she's got. Okay, I appreciate the guess. You were right and wrong. I'm gonna say right now you're at 93% still an A. You're right with Lapisto Curtly, the incumbent. So difficult to beat an incumbent in a local race. The value proposition yeah. of name recognition should never be underestimated. Mm-hmm. Lepisto Kirtley has raised $18,100 according to a fabulous website, VPAP, VPAP.org. TJ Fatally has raised 6700 Oh, wow. That is almost a Even 3X worse, delta. Yeah. One third. That is nearly a 3X delta right there. I thought maybe his, uh, his local celebrity might have, uh, might have given him a boost, but... The local celebrity meaning the Freebridge Auto commercials? Or the fact that he's been on the I Love Seville show? He's a good-looking guy. I was going to say... Well-spoken guy. Yeah. TJ, you watching the program right now? I'm giving you some props, dude. You know, I got your back, TJ Fadeley. Love what you have to offer. Nearly a 3X delta for Lepisto Curtly. Yeah. The Malik delta, a 2-plus X delta for Malik. Yeah. This is the value proposition of the incumbent. Everyone in Albemarle County is talking, we want change. We want growth. We want density. Some people are saying that. The realtors are saying that. We want this. We want that. Here's what it comes down to. Fundraising dollars, although they do not determine an election, they are a KPI that can be used to predict an outcome. 
No doubt. Malik is dominating. Brad Rickle rhymes with pickle. Lapisto currently has got a three, basically a three to one edge over TJ. Mm-hmm. Hey, I encourage the TJ Fatally show on the I Love Seagull Network between now and election time. TJ, if you want to get your perspective, your face, your platform, your messaging out to the masses, signs are one thing, knocking on doors are another. But there's no more succinct or efficient way for you, get, for you to get your message out to the masses than the TJ Fatally Show right here on the I Love Seville Network. Let's go to one of my favorite races, a, a race that is offering fodder for this talk show, that has offered fodder for this talk show for, what, a year? You know the one I'm going to get to? Yep. Which one? Uh, the one between, uh, <clears throat> between uh, Dr. Bryce. And? And... Uh, Oh, what's the name? Um, I can't. I can't think of it right now. Ass are her initials. Ass. I mean, those are her initials. <laughs> uh, oh man, Allison Spillman. Yeah, that's right. Allison Spillman, Meg Bryce. Who do you think's winning this? Think Albemarle County. Who do you think is winning this from a fundraising standpoint? From a fu- fundraising standpoint, I'd give it to uh, I'd give it to Spillman. This is uh, Charlottesville, Albemarle area. Judah. Am I wrong? You're wrong. I'm wrong. You're wrong. Wow. You're um, wrong. Bryce is beating Spillman like a drum. That's amazing. I'm surprised. Bryce. 41505 campaign dollars raised. Of any candidate in the Albemarle County races right now, Dr. Meg Bryce has raised the most amount of money. Meg Bryce is shellacking her opponent. And She's it's not even close. She's shellacking everybody. She's shellacking everybody. <laughs> How much do you think Spillman has raised, according to VPAP? Compared to the 40, I, I mean, I don't think she's getting, I'd say uh, 4,000. 14,916. 14,000. 14,916 wow. for Spillman. That well, is a difference, ladies and gentlemen, that is substantial. Yeah. We're talking. Not still, quite at three X. They're both still impressive for uh, oh. for a school board seat. It shows you where the focus is for voters this year. No doubt, voters care about schools this year as much about local government and mm-hmm. and 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 running the budget of Albemarle County. In fact, I would say schools and viewers and listeners put your comments in the feed. I would say that voters are more interested. In schools, this election cycle, it's an off-off year. No presidential race, no governor race. Mm -hmm. I would say parents are more interested in schools than they are in actual Board of Supervisor races. Definitely. Meg Bryce has $41,505 raised versus Allison Spillman's $14,916. To put that in perspective, Meg Bryce has raised more money than the entire T.J. Fadley and B. Lapisto Kurtley combined. Yeah. Meg Bryce has raised more money than Ann Malik and Brad Rickle, who are running for Whitehall seat, combined. Yeah. 
I'll even put it even more perspective. The 15K that Spillman has raised, 14,916 to be exact, is more than, is basically what Lapisto currently has raised. She's raised 18K. There's a 3K delta there. Mm-hmm. It is over 2X what TJ has raised in the Rivana district. And it's 5,000 more than what Rickle has run in Whitehall. It shows you, ladies and gentlemen, viewers and listeners of this fine and fair talk show, that it's schools that will determine voting engagement in early voting periods and at the actual polls come, what is it, Tuesday, November 7th? Viewers and listeners, your comments in a matter of moments. Lonnie Murray, I'm going to get to you. Joanne McDermott, who's the school board candidate in the Whitehall seat, has raised 10656 Her opponent, Rebecca Berlin, 1900 Now, fundraising is not indicative of actual outcomes. Right. And Spillman's team is now doing this. You know what they're doing with Meg Bryce's $41,505? You know how they're trying to characterize that? How do you think they're trying to characterize that? Linnell, great call, Linnell. I'll get to your tweet here in a matter of moments. I mean, I would guess that they're probably saying that people are trying to, uh, you know, take schools back in time and, uh, and uh, undo some of the progress that they've, that they've made. They're trying to spin it. Even Jim Duncan is doing this. The realtor with Ness Realty, he's in the Whitehall District. He's been trying to spin this. He's doing a little spin doctor tactics, Jim Duncan on Twitter. I very much encourage the realtors to stay out of politics. Jim Duncan's been saying on Twitter, follow the money. Follow the money. He's a huge Spillman supporter. And he's saying, follow the money. Watch what's happening. Ford Almoral's doing this. Spillman's team is doing this. Gillikin's doing this. Steven Johnson's doing this. Livable Charlottesville's doing this. Some of the folks with the Almoral County... Um, teacher union are doing this. They're trying to utilize or spin it like buying an election. Yeah. I don't call that buying an election. You know what I call that? What do you call that? Good campaigning. Yeah. Hard work. Door knocking. Being good at raising funds. Having a platform that resonates with voters. What resonates more with voters than potential voters pulling out their checkbook and donating money? I mean, it would be good to see a breakdown of that, but I think that goes both ways. I mean, I, th- I think... Uh, I can provide that breakdown. <laughs> I think we, we, we often see this kind of thing in, uh, you know, we often see this in, in uh, campaigns <clears throat> and fundraising and, uh, you know, one side, one side trying to discredit the other. It's, what do you think is the top donor from a single donation for the Bryce campaign? You mean the highest amount from a single donor? Single person. I'm looking at every single donor right now, according to VPAP. 5,000. That's a good guess. You've done really well with this. Props to you. Thank you. Mary, I'm going to mess up her last name. Mary Menefee, M-E-N-E-F-E-E. Mary, first name, last name, Menefee, M-E-N-E-F-E-E. Donated, how much do you think you said? I guessed $5,000. $2,500. So, I, I really want to put it's this in perspective. 
for anyone that says she's trying trying to buy someone's trying to buy a candidate. Right. There are no major major donors who've who've donated like half of the total. There it is. Judah Wickhauer bringing a game every day. You're stepping up your game around here. Thank you. Sincerely mean that. Anyone who says Duncan's done this on Twitter, Jim Duncan. I said Gilligan's done this. Yeah. Forward Albemarle spinning this. Albemarle, uh, Allison Spillman's trying to spin it this way. Mm-hmm. Buying an election. If the top contributor to the campaign has donated $2,500, that's not what's happening. Right. We don't have a Sonia Smith rainmaker scenario happening here. Right. We just have a grassroots campaign. The second largest donation, Barbara Kilberg, two grand. Third largest donation, Richard Park, 2K. Fourth largest donation, Nicole Athey, G-Note. Turner Berenger, G-Note. Nancy Bryce, G-Note. That's probably family of Meg. No Lindsay doubt. Burton, G-Note. Edward Burton, G-Note. Blair, Sali- Blair Cecil, I'm screwing up your last name, Blair, I'm sorry. G-Note. Cassandra Dunwell, G-Note. Richard Gilliam, G-Note. A lot of G-Notes. This is just grassroots campaigning. Yeah. That's all it is. You watch and you listen to this show because I speak the truth. It's not about popularity. It's about speaking the truth. That's what we do on this talk show. And that's why you watch the show. I cut through the... BS. Thank you. Got to keep it PG-13. <laughs> Allison Spillman. Are you ready for this? Her top donor, Christopher Seaman, at $1327. Her second largest donor is $1,000 from Amy Cunningham. Her, her second largest donor is Amy Cunningham at $1,000. John Hickey at $1,000. Oh. Pam Spillman at 1000 and Allison Spillman at 667. So Judah, you have a candidate in Allison Spillman who has raised in totality at this point $14,916. Mm-hmm. Her opponent has basically 3 extra at 41505 Of Allison Spillman's $14,916, ladies and gentlemen, a thousand came from Pam Spillman. That's the second largest donation tied with two others. Mm-hmm. Allison is in the three slot herself at 667. Is that grassroots campaigning? There's no problem with donating to your own campaign. I got no problem if you donate to your own campaign. Yeah. I do have a problem if you're trying to do BS, phony, and fake spinning. And BS and phony and fake spinning in this race is one party saying they're trying to buy it. Right. They're not trying to buy it. They're just knocking on doors and more persuasive with opening up checkbooks. And that's probably indicative that people are ready for a change. And if you're talking about buying it, you got Pam at a G note and Allison at 667. That's over 10% right there. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with family donating. Bryce has got family donating to her campaign as well. 
why I'm talking about this on the show, the Board of Supervisor races, Mike Pruitt's running on a post. He's going to be your Scottsville District Supervisor. Malik and Rickle have a combined $33,600 for Malik and Rickle. $33,600. Bryce is beating them by eight Gs. Fatally and Lepisto Curtly have a combined, quick math, $24,800. Bryce is nearly 2X this. Mm-hmm. My point is this. It's schools and education and unions and bus driver shortages yeah. and academic performance and teacher shortages and morale and curriculum and quality of life and fights. Did you see the story about Almoro County putting in vaping sensors in the bathrooms? Did you see that story? No. Vaping is so notorious, so prolific, Mm -hmm. so frequent, and so out of control that the schools, some of them, within Almoral County Public Schools, are having to use digital sensors in the bathrooms to alert leadership that kids are using drugs while on school grounds. Yeah. Can I call tobacco a drug for sure. an underage student? I mean, it is a drug. It's a See, drug, right? Coffee's a drug. Right. And especially when the limit is 18, right? And especially when it's not allowed on school grounds. I, I feel like I can, I can legitimately say tobacco is a drug if you're doing it in the bathrooms at Almoro if you're a student. Yeah. Because it's not allowed on school grounds, and you have to be 18 to do it. Right. Sensors in the bathrooms. Think well, about that. Well, I, what comments I find, I'm going to get to in a matter of moments, guys. What I find guys. interesting is how much, well, I'm, I'm curious how much they're spending on that. And I'm also curious, are they going to do anything about it? What do you mean? Are, are they going to, are there going to be punishments? Or is, how are they going to deal with people? Is, you know, you better is get this punished. Gonna be, if they're spending taxpayer dollars. Of, yeah, it's just going to be a waste of taxpayer dollars where they put in these things and uh, and then don't end up because I think you know we've heard in the past about uh, lack of uh, I mean you know there was the uh, there was the sexual assault incident JV locker room yeah who reported that first we did we did but the point being that uh, was was the school really interested in getting to the bottom of that or did they only uh, uh, you know, did it only become a thing when it became a thing? It became a thing because we talked about it on this show for about two weeks. Yeah. And then when we talked about it on this show for about two weeks, the legacy antiquated dinosauric media, TV, radio, print, followed suit. Mm-hmm. And because we talked about it for two weeks, and I didn't highlight this while talking about it, but now everyone knows in retrospect, I watched the video. I saw the video. And I saw Torment. And those that were involved with the torment, it wasn't hazing, it was a crime, were arrested, as they should have been. And that's why I made it such a priority on this talk show, because I don't stand for bullying. I want our sons to mature and grow up 
into the young men on the playground or in the classroom that are friends with every group of people. Not just the cool kids, not just the athletes, but those that are into math, those that are into science, those that are into debate, those that are into chess, those that are quiet, those that are into music. That's what I was, that's what my wife was. We migrated from demographic of student or friends and did not stay siloed with just one type of class of classmate. Yeah. I want our sons to mature into young men that will not stand up for bullying, that will get involved and, and, and break up a fight or say, what you're doing to that kid or to that gal ain't cool, stop it right now. Yeah. That's what I did, that's what my wife did. And you know what that's called? It's uh, called being a leader. When you stand up for what you know is right, regardless of community backlash, that's called being a leader. And we caught a world of... Sh- we caught a world of... Cow patties. What is it? I don't know. Cow patties? We caught a world of cow patties. When we were talking about that crime in the locker room, people said we were blowing it out of proportion. Well, guess what? The Amor County Police Department did not think that way. The Queen of Ivy is watching the program right now, Kate Schartz, and she says, I have never felt more invested in an election. I am hoping for change. Kate Schartz, good Tuesday afternoon to you. I'm going to respond to that. I mention this comment live on air. In fact, and I don't, you've posted this on social media, so I feel like this is fair to say, Kate, she has hosted a fundraiser at her beautiful home for Dr. Bryce. Curtis Shaver, the chef, just an all-around great guy. Curtis, this is me RSVPing to your wedding. I swear to God I will get the RSVP in the mail. Please tell Julian this. I'm going to your wedding. I cannot wait for it. Please tell your beautiful bride that we are RSVPing right now, Curtis. We are coming to your wedding. He says, Guadalajara is the largest sit-down restaurant in downtown Charlottesville. He might be right, because Guadalajara has the outside patio. Which one are we talking about? Downtown Guadalajara. We're talking downtown. Okay. Guadalajara. Hmm. Guadalajara downtown is the largest city, uh, city, uh, restaurant from a seating capacity in downtown. He might be right. Interesting. I mean, I, I wouldn't see it, but... Uh, it's not Jack Brown's that's going to beat be it. Wrong. I mean, Jack Brown's outdoor seating is about the same size as the Guadalajara's. No way, seating. Jose. What? No way, Jose. Guadalajara outdoor seating is not that big. Guadalajara, Guadalajara downtown has more outdoor seating than Jack Brown's. Not by a lot, though. I'm it not has saying... more outdoor seating. What? It has more outdoor seating. And it certainly has more inside seating. Yeah. The question I have for you... Jess Brown's is not like a metric to beat, though, for the largest restaurant in downtown. I never said it was. The question I have for you is, does, and for Curtis, does Whiskey Jar have more seating than Guadalajara downtown? John Blair on LinkedIn says, I'll throw out a wild card for the viewers and listeners. John Blair, I love when you watch the program. John Blair, you're a good man. I'll throw out a wild card. Do you consider the Alamo Movie House a restaurant? It does serve food. It does serve booze. 
and it probably has the most capacity of any food-serving institution in the Charlottesville and Central Virginia area. That's got me thinking. Do we consider Alamo a seating, a restaurant? I say no. Dude, Alamo has got a big ass, sorry. I'm sorry. A big butt? <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Alamar has got a lo- Alamo's got a large bar. Have you ever been to that bar at Alamo? No, but I've seen, I've seen it plenty of times. It's massive. It's got a large bar. Alamo has outside seating, and those movie theaters, what do they seat, four or 500 people? I mean, yeah, if you wanted to take that whole building, I... I mean, he's saying, I mean, he's an attorney here. He's saying, by what we're talking about, the letter of the law, what we're, not letter of the law, but like literal, like the literal aspect of what we're talking about, that place probably does seat the most. In fact, I mean, it does seat the most. Yeah. I mean, but what about... Uh, the one in Stonefield? Yeah. Does that seat more than Alamo? I'm not sure. I don't think the one in Stonefield has uh The one in... Stone- does the one in Stonefield have a bar? Uh, they do sell alcohol. They don't have a, a bar the way you're uh, talking about it, but they serve food and alcohol. And uh, I think they have more theaters. I think... Um, I think the Regal has at least 12. Alamo doesn't have 12, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it does either. Alamo doesn't have 12. Um, I'm going to get to comments. Lonnie Murray, I'm going to get to your comment here in a matter of moments. Timberwood 5th Street from Maria Marshall Barnes. That is a massive restaurant. Timberwood on 5th Street is a massive one. James Watson says um, Three Notched is up there. Timberwood is, is effing massive. Timberwood has outside seating. It's got the dining room for at the bar area, mm-hmm. and it's got the dining room for dining. Yeah, that one is massive. Uh, I'd put in. Uh, I I heard of that rent is over nineteen thousand dollars a month at Timberwood Fifth Street, and I also heard that they are unable to fill. And maybe this has changed. I heard that Timberwood Fifth Street is unable to fill growlers. You know the containers that you bring to a bar for draft beer to go. Because Wegmans, with its um, bar when the restaurant was open in Wegmans, had in its lease that it was only going to open in Fifth Street Station if it was only place allowed to sell or serve Hmm. or fill growlers. Now, I wonder if that's changed because the Wegmans restaurant has been closed since the pandemic. 19 G's plus for that Timberwood Fifth Street. That's a great, great suggestion for Maria Marshall Barnes. Linnell, Deep Throat, you're, in the, you're on deck here. Linnell says this. For sheer size and seating, UVA dining halls, Newcomb, O'Hill, and Runk. It's $13 for all-you-can-eat dinner, and it's open to the public. Damn. Oh, shit. Wow. Ah, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know it was open to the public. Did you? I, I went to UVA. I had no idea it was open to the public. I'm, I'm quote retweeting this. I'm quote, I did not know it was open to the public. Great tweet. I'm sending the tweet right now. $13 all you can eat, any of the UVA dining halls, and it's open to the public. Ginny Hu also says, did you know tobacco is 21 and over in Virginia? Is that true? Um, I thought it was 18 and over. They may have made a rule change recently. Can you check? 
I'm not doubting. I'm not doubting. She also says, my, friend, my kid's friend said students hold the vapes in their shirt sleeves, lift their cuff to their mouths, and vape in class. Ay, mi madre. I'm responding to that. Ay, me. I think tobacco was raised to 21 in uh, 2019. Really? Okay, I got to quote retweet this. Dang, I did not know this. Ginny Hu, you just taught me something. Dude, is it not a travesty or is it not hypocrisy that you can, you can fight for our country and potentially die in a war fighting for the freedom of Americans, yet you have to wait till you're 21 to smoke a cancer stick or pound a beer legally? Yeah. That's some BS right there. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like say that I'm all for like underage drinking or underage smoking. That's right. not the point of what I'm saying here. But if you're 18 years old and you can join the army or you can join the military and you could fight for the good old United States or, of America. Or be drafted. I mean, let's hope to God we don't have another draft. Well, yeah. But I'm just saying if there was one, they would be drafting people who are 18 who can't, who can't buy a cigarette or a beer. That's some BS. It is crazy. Is it not? Yeah. You'll let someone die for your, for your family? Go carry this machine gun, this ruck pack. Let's put on this bulletproof vest and this camouflage, this helmet. Wear these goggles and potentially go to a desert that's 125 degrees while wearing all these clothes. And you have but we don't think people you're... killing you potentially, but, but you can't crack a beer at a bar. But we don't think you're mature enough to make a decision about uh, what goes in your body. Yeah. What the H-E double hockey sticks? Juan Sarmiento confirms it's 21 recently. Juan Sarmiento, I'm responding to you. Thank you, sir. That's some BS. Lonnie Murray, speaking of sports, 1,582 people ran the Charlottesville 10-miler, and people do travel and stay at hotels to run that race. That's one of many races in our area. I'd argue that if you add running and cycling together, that their impact is way higher than football and they don't have the same infrastructure costs. He says, I'll add to that, Lonnie Murray says, that I've spent a ton of money locally on marathon trading this year on shoes and other equipment, and I've chosen to spend that money locally. That sounds like Ragged Mountain Running Shop. Uh, Lonnie, is that a Ragged Mountain Running Shop purchase right there from you, sir? I believe that's a Ragged Mountain Running Shop purchase from Lonnie Murray. I mention this live on air. Lonnie, we got to get you on the talk show. We'll do that soon. So I found this. Commonwealth of Virginia Tobacco 21 FAQ. In, on July 1st, 2019, uh, the age went to 21. But get this. Active duty military personnel who are 18 years of age or older may purchase tobacco, nicotine vapor, and alternative tobacco products. So at least in the case of cigarettes. Can they do booze? They've still got a choice. I doubt it, but uh, I can check. So join the Army, and we'll, we'll let you smoke because you're risking our life, your life. Yeah. Can they drink? I doubt they can drink. Uh, That's judgment and pairing. 
Mar- Maria Marshall Barnes says, Judah and Jerry, the one school resource officer at Admiral High School, is going to be awfully busy with the vape problem. I'm curious to see what the policy will be if they are caught. What do you That's, think the policy will be if they Dude, here's what the are policy they even should be. Are going to do anything? I mean, there's, if kids are acting out, then what do they do? They send them back to the class. Dude. Are they really going to crack the whip on this? Parents watching this program. If, tell me if you agree or disagree to this. Maybe you're, you're the voice of reason here. I'm I a try. passionate and emotional guy. That's what the yin to my yang over here. If a kid is caught puff, puff, pass, hitting the hippie lettuce, the chiba, the weed, the marijuana, the cabbage, on school grounds, yeah. in the bathroom, it should be suspension. It shouldn't be expulsion. But if, key, if, if, if a kid is burning green, do they burn green anymore? Do they burn green anymore or is it just vaping? Burning green was so, is so much more like communal and burning green is so much more like socially accepted for some reason, so much more like holistic and ritualistic than vaping. Vaping seems like more... I'm aging myself, and, and anyone who watches this program knows that, like, I'm a pro-cannabis guy, believe cannabis should be completely legalized for a number of reasons, including the four-to-one disparity of people of color being popped by the popo when it comes to Chiba versus white people. That disparity is BS. Frankly speaking, I know many people who hit the Chib that do it for anxiety or do it for pain management to help them sleep relieve stress, or create some kind of hunger appetite of some kind. The pros far outweigh the cons, especially with booze being legal. And Cheeb not. I mean, Cheeb's getting legally, getting more legal now. Yeah. But don't you think that, it's a two-part question, don't you think the Cheeb, smoking and burning the Cheeb, like actual flour, is way more like, seems what, way more kosher than like sneaking a vape? Or you disagree with that? The vape seems more hardcore to me. Mm. You disagree? You could disagree. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. You disagree? But I, honestly, I mean, I'm not, uh, <clears throat> I'm not clued into... Teen culture? Yeah. You're not clued? Juan Sarmiento says vaping is much more acceptable with teens today. They don't have to carry lighters, etc. I mean, the reason, I'm going to cut to the chase. The reason vaping is way more popular today is just because you don't even know people are vaping when they're vaping. I, I know There's I, very little smell. I'd be worried about... It's super DL. I'd be worried about knowing what you're getting when somebody hands you a vape. That's what I'm saying. Like, are you getting... What are you... Uh, I, I read something where someone had uh, a friend get really, really angry with them after that person found a vape in their place and they were strictly like no drugs and they took it and it turned out to be, you know, marijuana. They just thought it was a vape. And they were blaming the person whose home it was, <laughs> despite not asking if they could take it for, uh, for, them, getting, uh, for them getting high. Well. Oh. And you don't even know what you're vaping. At least with the flower, you see it's flower. Right. Anyway, uh, Vanessa Parkhill says South and Central is a big space. Uh, Carol Cuppernall says, I sent Dr. Bryce a donation after seeing her political signs vandalized. While I agree with much of her platform, 
I donated only one time to a school board candidate previously in my 26 years in Charlottesville, and I had no plans to do so this time. However, however I felt the need to respond against the typical socialist civil nonsense that materialized into what has become the routine destruction of conservative candidates' political signs. Great comment right there from yeah. Carol on donating to Dr. Meg Bryce's campaign. Vanessa Parkhill of Earliesville says, I encourage voters to meet Meg Bryce. She is passionate about bringing academic success to the students of Almora County. Go to an event and listen to what she has to say. Give her a chance. Vanessa, I'm responding to your comment. I would be remiss not to get to Deep Throat. I mentioned this live on air. I have my Tuesday VIP conference call in T minus eight minutes. Please keep me on point here, Judah. Deep Throat says this. So I was out in Western Almar yesterday. I don't know if this connects with money, but I saw tons of Bryce signs and few Allison Spillman signs. I saw tons of Malik's, Malik signs and only a handful of Rickle signs. Deep Throat says this, and impressively, Bryce is not getting it all from a right-wing version of Sonia Smith. Lots of donors. Yeah. What I highlighted, grassroots support. Deep Throat also adds, if Gillikin follows the money, it would lead to his couch cushions and a trove of nickels. Deep throat. Deep throat. Deep throat. Um, Ginny Hu says, you cannot have alcohol or tobacco until 21, but elementary school kids can take puberty blockers and young teens can have their permanent surgeries to change their bodies. Chew on that, Jerry and Judah. That's I, I would hope that that's got to be with parental approval. Yeah. Probably not. Because that is... No, it's not parental approval once they turn 18. That's I was fair. 18 when I was a senior in high school. Yeah, that's fair. I mean... I was playing squash against an 18-year-old at MacArthur mm. over the weekend. He kicked my tail. 18-year-old at Western Admiral High School. I can drop his name. I, I can drop his name. I'm giving him some props. Gordy Fairborn. Gordy Fairborn. 18-year-old, Western Admiral High School. Kicked my tail at squash. Son and scion of the great Luke Fairborn. Gordy Fairborn. Excellent work from you, Gordy. Oh, a lot of comments on LinkedIn. A lot of people are saying Alamo doesn't count as a restaurant. I would tend to agree. A lot of people saying you go there for a movie and you may happen to eat because it's a captive audience. Yeah. If that was if that if those if each of those rooms were were just uh, were just dining areas, there's no way that place would be open as uh, as a restaurant. Trey Barham is watching on LinkedIn. He said, "I worked in the public school system in Portsmouth, Virginia, for years, hmm. and I had a kid sell weed directly in front of me in a class." Neither kid was suspended. Both were in class the next day. I'm responding. To, how do I respond yeah. to that? Good Lord! Exclamation point. Yeah, I mean Trey Barham on LinkedIn. I worked in the public school system in Portsmouth, Virginia, for a few years. I had a kid sell weed directly in front of me in class, and neither kid was suspended. Both in class the next day, and he adds, "They are not going to be punishing kids for vaping." Yeah, I don't think so either. So that does beg the question, why spend money on, on 
what smoke sensors? I, I, Vape sensors. They've got there you be, go. Judah makes a good point. They've got to be different than uh, they've got to be different than smoke alarms because there's no way they're setting off smoke alarms in the school for somebody vaping in the bathroom. Oh no! So it's the vape be, doesn't set off the smoke alarm. Uh, no, I know that it's vapor. Right, but I'm saying if you've got some type of sensor that does that does measure that, or uh, what are you going to do with it? And why? Well, evidently nothing. No, but I mean. Dude, exactly. that is such a sad state of affairs that you can sell some, some shrub in front of a teacher, the teacher reports it to the principal, and the kids are back in school the next day with no ramifications or punishment. That's got to be demoralizing for the teacher. No doubt. Right? And it's not just that. I mean, it's, uh, you know, my, my friend told me it was... Your friend was a teacher, or is a teacher. Was a, was a teacher, at Charlottesville High School, mm, I think so. One of the one of the local ones, and uh, and peaced out. Yeah, this was uh, I think. I mean, he peaced out. What was it? It was probably at the end of uh, the twenty two school year. Yeah, that's when it was wild, wild west. James Watson says Burton's Grill is humongous in the shops of Stonefield. Yeah. Great call, James. Great call. You can also toss uh, um, Outback Crack House and. Uh, and okay. Plaza Azteca into the hat. Those are both pretty uh, decent sized. Great call, James. All right, we got four minutes. Actually, we have less. We had four, three minutes and change, and we got a, a couple of items out of the notebook that we need to get to. New Kent Winery is for sale for seven million dollars. New Kent Winery is for sale for seven million dollars. This winery is located, if you want to go to a one-shot, this winery is located between Richmond and Williamsburg. It's legitimately less than 90 minutes away from Charlottesville in Central Virginia. If you're on the Louisa, Fluvanna, Keswick side, it's under 90 minutes. Over 100,000 visitors in the past year at New Kent Winery, $7 million asking price, 38 acres of meticulously cultivated vines, producing over 100 tons of grapes per year. New Kent Winery, the largest grape-producing vineyard in the 10 American viticultural area designated, uh, designated areas in Virginia. Damn, I didn't know that. I also did not know this. Virginia, the Commonwealth, is the third largest wine producer in the country. $7 million, New Kent Winery. Let me know if you're Where interested. Where did you find that last number? Which one? Uh, the third largest wine producer in the country. Um, I found it out from New Kent Winery, and then I did some reconnaissance on it, and it's a fairly established fact. Hmm. I would imagine Napa was number one, right? Uh, maybe it depends on how you divide it up. Yeah. Uh, if you're dividing by state, I don't think uh, Virginia comes in even close. But uh, Well, I mean, that's the stat. I mean, look it up. I did? Third largest wine, wine producer. Wine producer. Not grapes. Wine. I know. All right, two other items out of the notebook. This is a good one, Judah. Zillow is saying the magic rate for rates to drop to is somewhere between 5 and 5.5%. If rates drop to between 5 and 5.5%, um, then uh, people will be more inclined to list their houses. Until rates drop to at least 5%, probably a little closer to 5 we're going to have a throttled inventory uh, ecosystem for a long, long time. 
and people are saying rates are going to stay high like this, well over seven, in some cases flirting with eight, well into next year. So this inventory crisis ain't going to go away anytime soon. Last item out of the notebook, and then I'll get to a couple of comments on the I Love Seville network from you, the viewers and listeners. I, I bought uh, some office space, some additional office space. We're bringing five new offices to market in downtown Charlottesville. Each office is about 120 square feet, very large, comfortable office, $425 per month, $425 per month. I cover the cost of ting fiber internet. I cover the cost of electric, bathroom cleaning, water. 425 flat per month. Each office is private and secure and has an attached waiting room for your clients to wait for you. You will not find a better deal than that in downtown Charlottesville, especially with the parking garage right next door with one hour of free parking in the Market Street parking garage. We'll get to comments here. I have 60 seconds before the conference call. Are you ready to go for the conference call? Yeah. All right. Um, this conference is... Oh, Carly Wacker is watching the program. She says, my sister is on Warren County School Board trying to get the behavior close and forced. She said drug deals and bodily injury happens every day in the Warren County School System without any punishment. She says the behavioral code, the code says students guilty of these offenses shall be expelled, but they have not expelled any students in years. Further, if you or your kids are the cuss or... Uh, are, are part of the bodily injury or get the bodily injury. There are rules to prevent the school system from disclosing who injured your child or who sold them drugs. Ah, that stinks. If your kid gets beat up, <clears throat> the schools cannot disclose in Warren County who beat up your kid or who sold your kid's drugs. That's effed up. Is it not it effed is. up? That's effed up. Thank you for the uh, words of encouragement on the office purchase, Carly Wagner. 29 executive offices and a couple of condos in the portfolio. Priced fairly and reasonably. He's Judah Wickhauer. I'm Jerry Miller. I'm on time for our conference call. Why don't I call the phone right now? Anything else you want to add, Judah, or should we close her down? Let's close her down. All right. That is the I Love Seville show on a Tuesday. So long, everybody. Hey, Jerry. How's it going?